Welcome to this week's Connect Life Word Session, brought to you by Victory in the Word Outreach Toronto. In these Word Sessions, it's all about connecting our lives to the Word of God so that we can live out our faith in really practical ways. Together, we are learning how to stand in truth, triumph over challenges, and thrive in purpose, releasing the sound of victory as we go. And I am very excited, also very humbled about sharing this word with you because, um, you know when you're reading a word that's reading you? And you're like, Jesus, hold up for a moment. <laughs> Let me breathe. Let me breathe, God. But it's like the word is reading you and letting you know, okay, Michelle, I am Savior. And you better be glad that I am Savior, you know. But I mean, me and God have fun like that because I'm truly grateful for his goodness and, and his love. So and we're going to go to a chapter. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it into two parts because I want to give you some explanation as to what's going on. So Hebrews chapter 12, and we are going to verse um, 18. We're going to start off 18. We're going to go from 18 to 24. I want to talk a little bit and bring you back from 25 to 29. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. 18 says, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Verse 20, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was a sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable comp company of angels and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Stop there. That's verse 24. Uh, I, I, I'm sure you're glad that I stopped, right? Because you're like, what is happening here? We have no clue. And I was thinking about that. I kind of dropped you in the middle of the action, but hey, I'm preaching, so it's all right. Let's just work with me. So let me explain to you what is happening here. In the, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, you know, it starts off to, uh, with the encouragement to run this race, to, to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of his, understanding that as you go through life, there will be ups and downs and there will be moments that you will give, want to give up. Let me phrase that. You will give up and then come back. <laughs> Some people, that's their story, right? But it's telling you that in order to do that, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And then he lets you know that as you run this race, keep your eye on Jesus, you will experience correction, realignment, readjustment. Because as we go, um, like I said, you will experience what's actually inside of you, what you actually feel, and God will come and bring readjustment, realignment, and let you know what is actually his heart and his will for you. I don't know about you, but I'd rather God correct me. Actually, let's, let's bring it to an earthly level. I would rather a friend correct me for my good. 
than be afraid to tell me something that will better me. Now, pick your moment right. right? Pick your moment. <laughs> no, but the reality of it is, you know, if, if, if you are doing something that's not that great, you should have a good friend who, who is comfortable enough to say, hey, Michelle, you could have done that better. Because that's how we get better. How much more Jesus, who's, who's the one leading us in this life, who we're trying to represent accurately, if he didn't correct us and show us what was not actually of his heart, you know, when you talk to that person, you told them they had a bad attitude, and you use a spirit of discernment. No, oh, you know what I mean? You, we need Jesus to correct us. We need Holy Spirit to realign us. So he says that in, in this chapter. And then he gets to this point, he's like, listen, be strengthened, okay? As you run this road, this, this journey, and you walk this road, be strengthened and do all these things that will help you to enjoy the journey with Jesus. And it talks about, in verse 14, pursuing peace with all people and holiness, you know, and just, just trying to live led by the Spirit. So he gives you all of that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You know what I mean? Allow him to correct you, allow him to adjust you, and then also try to live well with other people. And then he goes to where we are now. The reason why you can do all these things, the reason why you can keep your eyes on Jesus, you can withstand trials and challenges, that you can live well with people, that you can take the correction of the Lord, it's because of the relationship that you have with God through Jesus Christ. And he uses in verse 18, this example which says that in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the people of God, the Israelites, um, they, they knew the presence of God being on a mountain, Mount Sinai. This is where God was. This is where, where God dwells. But the, the environment of that mountain, the experience of that mountain was so terrifying. There was thundering and lightnings and smoke. They could not even come close to that, that mountain. And then he tells us in verse 22, but, 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 but there is a difference. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. So now he's saying that, hey, you can come. Now, yes, Mount Zion was an actual place, but as we go through the Bible, you see that it takes a spiritual significance. So it's a heavenly reality too. So you're able to come, as Hebrews also tells us, boldly to the throne of grace. You're able to come boldly into the presence of God, not with disrespect, but with assurance of who he is Amen. and what Jesus has done to bring you there. And now here's an important thing. It is not that God has changed. You have to get that. Because sometimes we think, okay, now we can come, yo, God, you're good. How you doing? God hasn't changed. God is still holy and righteous, still speaks with thunder and lightning. He still command, commands and demands nothing less than perfection. God of the old is still God of the new. You need to understand that. God has not changed right? The difference is Jesus. And what Jesus has done is Jesus has paid your price for your sin, my price for my sin. Jesus became sin. He took our penalty.
penalty. He took all that we deserved. He paid the price. God raised him as a perfect sacrifice. And then now every person who comes into faith, into that relationship with Jesus through faith, now are found in Christ. So when God looks at Jesus, we are there. That's the difference. So it's not that now God has changed and he's like cool and he's just hanging out and he's like, oh, come on wherever you feel like and do whatever you want and let's get lit. God is not saying that. God is still holy and righteous and perfect. But now Jesus, as verse 24 says, see, in verse 23, God is still the judge of all. But Jesus is the mediator. That is, that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just know that I needed a mediator. <laughs> I just had a flashback right, of Michelle. <laughs> and I thank God for grace because Jesus now stands between us. He's reconciled us. He's brought peace between us and God and given us that boldness to come. Now we can actually say, Daddy God. Now we can come and sing songs like, Dance with me, O lover of my soul. And it's not Solomon we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Now we can come at a different level of intimacy. God remain holy and true. Jesus has made the difference. And you know, I have to correct this. It's not that Jesus made the difference. Jesus brought a new dimension of reality. It's different. He didn't, he's not one option that just came and out. Oh, we chose Jesus and you know, you know. He, he brought a new dimension of reality. A new type of life that brings nearness to God possible, all right? And it starts off by saying, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. That is powerful. Meaning that as we, we come in, in faith, we are encouraged, admonished, instructed not to refuse him who speaks. Now we cannot be like, uh, you know, the ones who said before that, they didn't even want to hear what God had to say anymore because of how he spoke. But now, as the scripture tells us, in, in the olden times, God spoke through um, his prophets and all the different people. But in this time, God speaks through his son. And his son was a man just like us who, who um, walked on the earth and understood what life was all about. And so he speaks in a way that you can actually understand and grasp. That is why it's possible for you to walk with Jesus every day, because Jesus is speaking in a way that you understand. He knows what we go through. He knows the temptations that we feel, and he is touched by every feeling that we have. So the encouragement number one is here is, do not refuse him who speaks. Thank God that Jesus has come, and he identifies with us, and we can identify with him. So let us not, not let, let us not refuse him who speaks. And just an aside, how do we hear Jesus? Well, I will say the primary way is through his word. Do not refuse what he says to you in his word. And also as you go, you're able to hear the promptings of the spirit and, and the voice of the spirit leading you in the way that you should go. Do not refuse him who speaks because he speaks so that you would be able to live the fullness of your life and that the power of what he has done would be realized in you.